Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Another exciting week in athletics. We are back. Let us be the last to wish you, as Chris Berman would say, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and tons to talk about at this time of the year. A great time to have the show back as the college football playoff championship is upon us with two familiar foes in a year that was supposed to be parody in a year where college football was supposed to be all open. We have the same faces and names that we seemingly have every couple years or so for one of the teams every year. So we'll get into that. We'll get into the national football league and it's last week coming. The extra week is here. Playoff seedings are up for grabs. A lot of familiar names will be back in the postseason. We'll see if we can make sense of that. We've got players leaving the field. We've got reporters calling out the MVPs. We got tons to get into and enjoying getting back to getting into it with you all. Al, how was your Christmas? How was your New Year's? How is everything? We can get everybody caught up at least a little bit from a couple weeks that we missed. Hopefully everybody enjoyed their time with their family and a little R&R to get ready for these championships and postseasons. Big fellow, my partner, the great John Tiny One. It's great to be back with you. It's great to be back with our fans and listeners. And it was a tremendous Christmas and New Year's. Calm, quiet, safe, enjoyable, healthy with my son and his mother and watched a lot of sports, watched a lot of disappointing games, watched a lot of exciting games, uh, watched just some absolutely asinine uh, performances by athletes uh, on and off the field. And we usher in the new year with more of the same on various fronts. You mentioned it with respect to college football in terms of the national championship game. It won't happen in the semis. Same for baseball. What's going on there? Same as before. Nothing, as they're not talking. They haven't met since last we spoke. They're not planned on meeting until the end of this month. So as always, as usual, they'll do as much as possible to cause misery for the fans and the people who truly care about the game because they couldn't give a rat's ass about us uh, or, quite frankly, the quality, the caliber, and the importance of the purity of the game, which is what we care about the most, and they don't give a rat's ass about it. And you know, we approach this final weekend of the national football league with playoff spots up for grabs with uh, a lock of an MVP calling a reporter who says he's not a bum and rightfully so, because he is a bum and we have wildcard spots up for grabs. We have division titles up for grabs. We have a national championship up for grabs. So let's get it rolling. Let's get it rolling. Nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League, but let's hold off on that. Hold on, because we got a national championship coming first. We go in in order here. Let's be fair. Monday night, it'll be decided. The 2021 slash 22 national champion in college football, Alabama and Georgia in the national championship game. I alluded to it. This was supposed to be the year where college football was wide open. 
Georgia had the best defense. They quickly rose to the top of the heap. It was Georgia and everybody else. Alabama was down. Other schools were making runs that we haven't seen before. Cincinnati, would they get in? Would they not? Wake Forest at one time undefeated. Would they be able to get into the college football playoff as an undefeated coming out of a Power 5 conference? The storylines are right in themselves. We blinked once. We got to make fun of the SEC for sucking in their bowl games. And then before you know it, the most important games were once again won by the SEC and in blowout fashion, as so happens every year or so, it seems, in the semifinal games, Alabama handling their business against Cincinnati, who actually didn't have the worst of game plans. I thought played some pretty good defense at times during the game. They just fell into the familiar trap of you play Alabama and you're not used to playing Alabama. You're just going to get slapped in the face in the they first couple quarters. They couldn't block them. Couldn't do it. And they did happens. a decent job against the Alabama passing attack, and they put plenty of pressure on the quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, but they could not block the Alabama front and handle the Alabama blitzes. And you know, early on, Alabama ran the ball down their throat. Uh, ironically, their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback didn't throw a pass on the first drive until the last play of the drive. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. was the MVP of the game, and he clearly was. Had the rushing career game of his career. And he dominated the game from the offensive side for Alabama, and the Alabama defense dominated the game. So it wasn't that surprising. Uh, I thought Cincinnati played hard and did themselves proud by the physical nature of their play. There were times where they dominated the Alabama offensive line and put great pressure on the quarterback, which I thought was uh, terrific and showed a lot, but they just could not block them. They could get nothing going offensively. And Alabama didn't put up 50. They did a decent job defensively because they kept Alabama from beating them with big plays for the most part. They had a couple, but they ground them into the turf and that's basically how they beat them. The disappointment was game two. I was anxious for Georgia, Michigan all along. I thought Georgia, Michigan had the chance to be a terrific game. Uh, If Michigan brought their a game, I didn't think Georgia would have any hangover from Alabama. I thought they would play well, but they played great and their quarterback played fabulous. And they were just, Michigan was not ready, did not look ready for the speed, could not get their ground game going. And the quarterback made a lot of terrific plays in and out of the pocket and all the pressure that they put on Ohio State, they could not put on the Georgia quarterback. Uh, Hutchinson was not much of a factor. They looked... I don't want to say overmatched or not ready to play. Uh, they just did not look like they were the same team that I saw against Ohio State. Yeah, it looked like you had three weeks to prepare for this, and this is what we're getting type of game. Like, can't you figure out X or Y? Why is this surprising you? And the game was over by halftime, which we've heard, was we've good heard for New Year's so Eve. many times about, you know, well, this was their Super Bowl. This was their championship game. This was their World Series. It's hard to look at what happened and not say that Ohio State was Michigan's national championship game because they played like they were at home. They were in the cold. Uh, That's their element versus outside in the warmth of South Florida. Uh, I'm not going to say they wore down because they were down 14-0 from the get-go and really never in the game. But again, uh, Georgia's speed, Georgia's athleticism, Georgia and, and Michigan's got players, but again, they struggled like Cincinnati. Michigan's 
offensive line of the year, voted the best offensive line in the country, could not block the Georgia defensive line and linebackers uh, who came and pressured often. Kirby Smart, to his credit, had a wonderful game plan, and his offense did a great job. They ran it. They threw it. They were diverse. And their quarterback, as poorly as he played against Alabama, and some of you, you can say maybe through the competition or lack thereof, but all the things he did wrong against Alabama, he did right against uh, Michigan. He took care of the football. He was elusive. Uh, he was able to scramble and make plays with his legs and with his arm in the few times there was pressure. He made plays from the pocket. And they had some great calls isolating their running backs on linebackers. He made perfect throws. Uh, he had really the game of his life. And it was all Georgia. It was no contest. And now we're back where we started, Georgia, Alabama, all over again. Georgia, ironically, after being smoked in the SEC title game and their undefeated season going by the boards, is still, despite being destroyed after having a 10-0 lead by Alabama, is still, what is it, two and a half? I've seen it at three. Yeah, it's two and a half. It's still, depending upon who, depending on where your book is, uh, give or take a half a point, is a field goal favorite, which I do find shocking that that is still the scenario. The line hasn't moved much to think that, yes, they were the best team all year long. Uh, they went undefeated, but they didn't play Alabama. They beat everybody they played in not a great SEC. And if you look at the Georgia schedule, it's nothing to write home about. There's no real big victories over a, a big-time opponent here uh, throughout the schedule. It's the SEC, but it was a down year for the SEC. Alabama lost to A&M on the road. They should have lost to a beat-up Auburn team in the Iron Bowl. They were done. It was over. They pulled a rabbit out of the hat, which got them into that SEC title game. And lo and behold their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, won the Heisman Trophy in that game. Hitting play after play after play after falling down 10 nothing, and Georgia just fell apart. They had no answers. They made no adjustments. And there you had the Alabama wide receivers running free like we've seen so many times, so many years before, with no one in the vicinity against this NFL-like defense, which suddenly forgot how to play. And now here they are again. And after that beatdown, when both teams dominated their opponents, in the semis, they will go at it again. And to me, shockingly, Georgia is the favorite. And that doesn't mean I don't think Georgia's the, not the better team. I'm shocked that they're a favorite after being beaten, not by a touchdown or, you know, two touchdowns, you know, 31-17, uh, where, you know, a last-minute touchdown made it a two-touchdown game or 31-20. They were absolutely hit by a bus after they had a 10-0 lead. They were blown out of the building. And despite that, they are still a field goal favorite. So, you know, the, the smarts have got a lot of respect for them. I think they're a very good team. I don't think they're a great team. I don't think Alabama's a great team. I think they're two very good teams. I think it will be a really close game. I would be surprised if we had an outcome like we had in the last one, no matter who was on the up, gets the upper hand. You know, I, I do think this is a one-score game, but I am stunned that it's not a – Alabama is a three-point favorite versus Georgia. Yeah, it's one of these head-scratching lines where you think Vegas has to be pulling something on us, and they obviously know something that we don't. Because after you watch them, Alabama and Georgia play, and then after you watch what Alabama did against Cincinnati, I understand Georgia dominated Michigan. 
But at just their play on the field head-to-head, I agree with you completely. I'm surprised it's not a three-point favorite in Alabama's favor. I'm surprised they didn't even put it all the way up to, say, six and a half and make people want to bet Georgia. Because, and that doesn't mean I don't think Georgia will win the game. Right. Because I do. Right. But I just can't believe, based upon what's transpired, that Alabama is an underdog. And what are you doing to Nick Saban giving him – any added fuel. They don't need it. They don't need it at all. But there's nothing better for a football coach than being able to put stuff on their bulletin board and now play the role of the underdog. They tried to play the role of the underdog against Cincinnati. They did. We got no I respect. Mean, come on. Cincinnati's undefeated. Uh, you know, they're the team everybody's talking about. Yep. Everybody doubted us. Higher. Nobody thought we'd be here. You know, we're we're the over here because we're Alabama. You know, we lost against A&M. They've got the better record. Uh, come on. They, they do it. It doesn't matter who it is. Dabo loves doing this with Clemson. Anything at all he can use for his little old Clemson analogies for the past three, four, five years when they've been in the college football playoff, he puts it on the bulletin board. Nick Saban now gets to do the exact same thing, and they've been rolling with it the whole time. We're the all underdog right. against Georgia. And look at Nick Saban's record when he's the underdog in these games. What has he lost, like two out of eight or something ridiculous like that? When they're the underdog, they still win these games. What are you doing We've got to give them that a fuel? ton to talk about. So, let's pick it. Who do you like and by how much? I can't go against Alabama in a game like this, and I can't go against Alabama against a coach that you've talked about on this show for years and how this albatross has followed him around for his entire career at Georgia. Kirby Smart having to beat Nick Saban. In the national championship. Is this the year that he finally can do it? Get over that hump? Do what they hired him to do? Because they hired him and had the highest of high expectations. And he's pretty much met all of them. Except for that national championship. Is this Nobody what happens? has been more critical of Kirby Smart than yours truly, as you know. Over the years. The inability to make adjustments in the big game. The absolute miserable failure when it comes to clock management making moronic decisions uh, with respect to down and distance, you know, a fake punt on fourth and two for midfield when the whole building is looking for it, when it's so obvious, it jumps off the page and doing it anyway and giving up field position, the inability of his defense, this defensive juggernaut, this defensive guru, the inability of his defense to make adjustments in game, uh, just confounding the, refusal to adapt offensively it just seems as though it will never happen that no way no how in a big game the biggest of games will kirby smart manage his football team for 60 minutes they looked unbeatable a few years ago in the game against alabama and fell apart to a freshman quarterback coming off the bench. To a running around, madcap dashes, finding guys wide open. Who now plays for the Eagles? Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> As a freshman to steal a victory. Despite all that. Despite all that. Call me an idiot. Call me a moron. Call me a buffoon. It's not the first time. It certainly won't be the last. I still have this feeling that this is finally Georgia and Kirby Smart's year. 
Why? I, despite the flogging that they took, I still believe in that defense. I believe that that defense will make adjustments, and I believe that defense will keep the quarterback in the pocket, make adjustments. Mitchie is not available. Unfortunately, he's hurt. I think that will hurt them, but obviously they still have the fabulous all-world wide receiver, another one who's going to be a first-round draft pick. I think the key to this game, surprisingly, will be whether or not they can have not the same kind of effectiveness they had against Cincinnati. But if Brian Robinson is able, if they're able to run the football, not for you know Robinson rushing for 200 yards, but if they are able to effectively run the football, then they will win the game. Because if you take Georgia out of their strength, where they will have to bring people to the line of scrimmage to defend the run and open up the passing game against, yes, those wide receivers, even though Mitchie is not there, and that Heisman Trophy award-winning quarterback, Alabama will hit enough big plays to beat them. But I am banking that Georgia will be able to stop the run with their conventional defense and pressure the quarterback. And I'm going to take another flyer on this quarterback that he's going to have a solid game not turn it over. 27-24, Georgia. How about the 41 points that Alabama scored the first time around? That was 30% of the points that Georgia had allowed all season. Think about that for a second, if you want to talk about their defense. I am going to heed your advice from this show, and I am going to heed the wisdom of not going against Nick Saban until we see it and believe it, I will take Alabama to win by six. Not very good at final scores. Alabama to cover, take the money line because of that, and I think they'll win by six. But I am very interested to see if Kirby Smart can figure out Nick Saban with an extra week to prepare, having played them once already, John Mitchie down, Stetson Bennett playing with a chip on his shoulder, People don't believe in me. Let me go show you what's up. Stetson Bennett must play well. He's got to play well. He and doesn't have to play great, but he's got to play well. Don't turn he's it over. Take like care of the football. No bad throws. No misreadings of defenses. No tip passes. Look, tip pass isn't necessarily a bad throw, but how many blocked passes have we seen the last couple of weeks? All right. How many deflected passes have we seen in the past couple of weeks that either kill drives or turn into interceptions? You need those bounces. Find your, your throwing way. lane. Hit your receivers. Don't turn it over. And as we said before, if a possession is ending in a kick two out of three times, that's a good thing. That's right. And on the other side, you win the Heisman. Let's see it, man. Show us something. Show us something. That's well, our regular season sides, award, but we'll see what happens. The big fellow says Alabama. Yep. That's the new portion. The old report says it's Georgia's time. This we year would be Georgia's time, Al. This would be Georgia's time because, as I said, this parody, it's wide open, et cetera. If that has any semblance of coming to being anywhere close to fruition, or at least we could throw it out in a passing glance, if Georgia beats Alabama, it's a little bit more parody. Before we go to the NFL real quick, the ironic thing about the end of the college football season is that Everybody says the bowl games don't matter. Kids won't play. All that matters is the playoffs. The irony of it this year is that the best of 
the college football postseason was all the New Year's balls. Yeah. The semis on New Year's Eve stunk in terms of the competitiveness. And we had a bunch of incredibly exciting and competitive bowl games, a wild and woolly Rose Bowl, where I think the whole world was rooting for Utah, who got a big lead early and lost one of the wildest Rose Bowls in history to an aerial circus by Ohio State. And, you know, an exciting Notre Dame loss to Oklahoma State, uh, you know, and a couple other games that were, you know, pretty darn good and much more enjoyable to watch on New Year's than what we had on New Year's Eve. An orange bowl that, I should say, a sugar bowl that was on the boring side, uh, unfortunately. But uh, for the most part, I thought we had you know, excellent games on New Year's Day that were very watchable, very enjoyable. Notre Dame obviously being the biggest disappointment because they blew a 28-7 lead and couldn't get stops when it mattered most. And then when they did finally have an opportunity, they could not get the ball down the field uh, until it was too late when they finally got their touchdown, but they were down two scores and couldn't recover an onside kick. And Oklahoma State you know, got themselves really a big win to finish off a great season. And you know, our new Notre Dame coach, who we're all happy to get the job, uh, you know, looks like a world beater at halftime, you know, up 28-7 to 28-14. And they get their heads handed to him in the second half. It was a good taste of what I think a lot of people want to see happen, and that's college football expansion, and that's having those types of games be competitive with teams that were a hair away from being in the college On the outside line. looking in. Oklahoma State the, the wins the Big 12 me, championship. They're probably getting into the college football playoff. When they expand, the key for me will be how they do it. Right. I am not for home games. Reese Davis was on today with uh, the great Christopher Mandog Russo saying that, you know, in all probability, you know, the, you know, the first round games will be home games. I want those early games to be the ball games. I want those games to be the Hall of Fame Bowl, the Citrus Bowl. Uh, the Cotton Bowl when it's not in in the in the foursome, you know the Rose Bowl when it's not in the foursome, the Sugar Bowl. When it's, first of all, the national championship game every year, every year should be the Rose Bowl, but be that as it may, that, that that's for another day. But I would like to see the bowl games integrated into the playoff system to have these bowl games carry more weight. Wait, so these kids all play in these bowl games. You know, I want to see, you know, after the first four teams get buys, I want to see five against twelve in the Gator Bowl. Yeah. All right, you know, I, I want to see six against, uh, you know, eleven in uh, the Hall of Fame Bowl. I want to see five, twelve. You know, those are the games that I want to see in the not big four bowl games. All right, then we can. I, I want to see the, the. Then we get to the semis where we have the traditional bowls be part and parcel of it. You know, not the traditional, but you know, the big four. That was always my plan to begin with. My mm -hmm. plan to begin with, as I've said so many times, which Mike Francesa told me could never happen, was to have the semis be two of the big four bowls, the finals be the other one, and one laid out every year on a rotating basis. And when we didn't have four of those, that bowl game got five and six against each other. You know, that was the, the next best teams. And you know, I still think it's doable with the bowls. I think it would make the bowls that much more exciting. You know, Reese Davis said today, well, you know, then – they won't try. People will always travel. Always. People will sell their homes to get to these games when it comes to college football. They will travel across the country to follow their teams. They do it for NCAA basketball. They'll do it for NCAA football. They will do it. I guarantee it. 
I promise you, 100%. they will do it. The buildings will be full. The crowds will be raucous. And I think it will be awesome. Half of the building is one color. Half is the other color. And you're battling to stay alive. I think it would be incredibly cool. I don't want somebody to have home field advantage in these games. I am waiting for the day for the expansion part to come. The commissioners are meeting, I believe this weekend again, to go over all the particulars and what's stopping them. Isn't the expansion part. What's stopping them is the particulars of who gets in. Are we doing automatic qualifiers? Are we doing best five? That's what the holdup is. And unfortunately I think they're going to run out of time here and we're going to get to the end of this contract and what they've expected to happen and we probably won't see any change till 2025, 2026, around when everything comes up. I think we'll see it before never. then. I think we'll see it before. I mean, if I we saw we'll anything during the pandemic, Al, they can make changes seemingly on the exactly. time if they really want to. I think we'll see it by 2024. On to the league where they play. Put that. Okay. Off the field or on the field first? <laughs> Isn't that the case seemingly every week? We've got two massive stories on slash off the field. On slash off the field, what happened in the Tampa Jets game is basically, you know, it, it's the flying circus. It's once again Antonio Brown showing that he is, in fact, a clown show. And th- this notion of you know, the poor Bucks, poor Coach Arians, Tom Brady, they went out all in for him. Can we hold our horses here? What did you expect? Yes, you went out all in for him. Oakland Raiders. What happened? He made a fool of you. Bad feet. Yes, Mr. Kraft and Tom Brady, you went out all in for him. And what did he do? He made a fool of you. But Tom Brady's got to have his toys. So last year, all the weapons Tom Brady had, those weren't enough. He's got to have he's got to have Gronk, he's got to have AB. So let's go out and get him, Bruce Arians, because he helped us win football games. And he was minor factor. He caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. He caught a slant. Okay, what an eight yard slant. Bring him back, and the clown show continues. After all the chances, he pulls this just dog and pony show with the fake vaccination card, which is a crime. He gets suspended by the league. He's made a fool of you again. And what do you do? Well, since the league's going to let him back, (laughs) he can help us win games. We're going to let him back. What did you expect? How many times does he have to make a fool of you? How many times does he have to show you that he is a horse's ass and that you, by continuing to give him chances, are dumb as a box of rocks. I don't feel sorry for Bruce Arians. Yes, he bought in originally. Shame on you. But then again, after he gets suspended for the vaccination crime, you let him come back? Why don't you just go to the work release program? And start looking for guys who can run four three forties. What's next? Anybody who can help us win? Sell your soul, make the deal with the devil, and that's what you get. You asked for it, 
you got it. You push the envelope, you push the envelope, you push the envelope. And finally, it blew up on you to the nth degree where he made a fool of himself, which is nothing new. But now he made a fool out of you. He made a fool out of your quarterback. He made a fool out of the entire organization. And yet, you want me to sit there and say, poor Bruce Arians, poor Bucks, you got to take this on. You got to claim this as your own. This was your decision. Eyes wide shut. You didn't have to bring him back. He was no key cog that you desperately needed to win this year. But that's the price you pay. That's the price you pay for being greedy. That's the price you pay for being blind. And that's the price you pay for being fucking stupid. You wound up with a clown show to the absolute maximum, the likes of which we've never seen in this league. A player not just leaving the field, but taking off his uniform, taking off his shirt, dancing in the end zone, throwing his jersey, his gloves to the crowd and blowing kisses as he leaves. During the game. A total and complete embarrassment of the player and of the organization, which never should have happened or would have happened if the general manager and the coach and the quarterback had an ounce sense, an ounce of sense. The numbers on this from the monetary standpoint are pretty wild. We're coming up to the last game of the season, which means these contract incentives are up for grabs for a lot of players, depending on what they can do on the field. Those stats that get thrown in there. If you do this, if you do that, you try to cross them off the list at the end of the season and get paid. Damian Woody said on TV today, he had to stay under 315 pounds when he was with the Patriots. He was able to do so. At the end of the year, he made $300,000, Al. Where's that at our place of business? You want me to stay under a particular weight? Hey, you're going to pay me for it at the end of the year. I'm running a mile every day. A couple times on Sundays. No problem with that. $300,000. Here's what Antonio Brown would have needed heading into the last game of the season, okay? And this is probably something that, knowing Tom Brady, he would have forced to happen. Eight more catches, he would have gotten $333,000. He needed 55 receiving yards to unlock another $333,333 bonus. One receiving touchdown, another $333,333 bonus. Right, a big game makes him a million bucks. Yeah, that's it. And that's what you think it is originally. You think he's pissed because all his history, in terms of how much he cares about money and fights over money and not paying contractors and getting in fights with guys he owes money, etc., which we've seen happen over the years. That's the initial reaction. He's pissed because he's not in the game, and he's getting shortchanged out of a chance, no pun intended, to an extra million bucks, or 300, 300, mm-hmm. 300, 330, 333. But his side of the story is, I couldn't play. Couldn't play. I told them I couldn't play. They wanted and I don't to know what Arian's side is, because it changes with every interview. It does. One second, Bruce said, you know... Uh, I asked him to go in the game. Said he couldn't go in the game. Then, you know, the, the text about he's hurt. We'll see if he can play. 
So, you know, Arians all over the map. So whatever the story is, the bottom line is, this is what you expect with this player. Chaos. He causes chaos wherever he goes. He's never happy. The mental aspect of it, the health concerns, the reach out and get help. If he needs it, I hope he finds it. Is it possible he's suffering from some issues, some football-related injury? I don't know. I have no way of knowing. He's having issues that is certainly running rampant and up and down the roller coaster aspect of emotions. You literally never know what you're going to get. Incredibly combustible. Mental health issues, possibly. But the bottom line is, again, you opened the door for this to happen. You made the trade-off of taking this risk in exchange for potentially winning a couple of, how many games were left when they brought it back after the, after the vaccination fiasco? Five, four, I don't recall. But the point is, this is the risk you run Mm -hmm. when you make the deal with the devil and you got burned and you should have known better. It's one thing to bring back a guy for the 15th time who's got an issue with with smoking reefer. All right. It's not going to hurt anybody. He's got an addiction. He's had trouble controlling it. He's not hurting anybody on the team. He's not saying any bad things about the team. We know who I'm talking about, who's had countless chances, and they keep bringing him back because Josh Gordon is so talented and he's such a physical presence and he has such great ability, but he can't stay off the weed. That doesn't hurt anybody except him. The team's not making some massive commitment to a guy who's going to uproot their locker room and embarrass the franchise on and off the field. This guy is a clown show. A total and complete clown show. He's not a team guy. He's a me guy. That's what we see. That's what we see. You want to tell us otherwise, Tom Brady? You want to tell us otherwise, Bruce Arians? Proof's in the pudding. We just saw it in front of our very eyes for all the world to see. So don't tell me what a great teammate he is. Don't tell me how important he is to the organization. He is a coach and organization cancer. And he proved it once again this weekend. And it's all on the Bucks for taking the blind leap with absolutely no reason to do so after they had a last clear chance to run and hide from the player. Let somebody else deal with it. We tip our cap to Mike Tomlin for keeping him in line for most of his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was not something that you really heard about when he was playing for them. And since it's, it's been a wild ride. And you know what? Like, as you mentioned, people are quick to go to his mental health. People are quick to jump to conclusions as, as doctors about his injuries. Everybody has an opinion on this. Whose side are we on? He said, she said, literally, uh, talking to some girl that went viral for licking a toilet seat during coronavirus peak, seeing if she could get it. She's getting involved with her text messages before the night of the game. He was with me. He said this and that. It's, it's a reality TV show. But if he's getting an Uber after the game, 
And then you blink and he's hanging out courtside watching the Nets. He's happy as a clam on these social media videos. If he's good with all this, man, let's all just be good with that. Don't worry about it if he's not worried about it. Don't concern yourself with it if he's not concerned with it. If he doesn't care about playing football, don't worry about it. Let him do what he wants to do. If you want to be the team that thinks you could change it around, you know exactly what you're getting into. Good luck with it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, okay. Look at what has happened, of course. That's all you have to really say about it. Is he going to come back to the National Football League? Absolutely. There's a 100% chance that another team takes a shot at Antonio Brown. And, it, and it's amazing listening to people saying he's done. No chance he's done. Unless he's he wants done. to be what, done. What in the world evidence do we have that guys like this don't get another chance. The clown show that Odell Beckham put on in, in, in New York, Brown's jumped all over him and first round pick to get him. All right. Paid him a fortune. Right. Rams, after it didn't work out in Cleveland, they didn't give up much, but they got him. Right. If you can play, find a way. Someone will believe they can be the difference maker or that you can be the difference maker for them. Someone will be so desperate to take a chance on you. And if Antonio Brown can still play, someone out there will take a chance, whether it's, whether it's a tryout yep. or finally making it back to the league. I don't know. But if you think he'll never get another opportunity to make a team, you're lost. You're lost. You don't get it. I agree. You don't get it. Everybody gets another chance. Chance is. Chance is. A little bit further north, we had a gentleman who was an MVP voter. I had forgotten, I don't know why, that there's only 50 voters for the MVP. You would think of the National Football League, the way the pomp and circumstance goes, they'd have 500 people voting for these things. Just 50. Very prestigious award came out and said, quote, to Aaron Rodgers, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the most valuable player. I just think the way he's carried himself is inappropriate. I think he's a bad guy, and I don't think a bad guy can be the most valuable guy at the same time. Now, obviously, this goes viral, of course, because of the popularity of Aaron Rodgers across the National Football League and media. Love him or hate him, he's the story week by week. He was asked about it by the media. He was asked about it on the Adam Shine podcast. Shout out to that. And the quote that's going around is him coming back and basically saying this guy's a bum. He had no idea who he was before this. And that's all you need to know about it. He's a bum. Now, I will say this, Al. And we talked a little bit about this before the show. I don't think what this gentleman said about Aaron Rodgers is wrong at all. (laughs) I think what he said is exactly right. He is a jerk. He did fuck his team over. He did screw his organization, his fans. He lied. Is he a bad guy? Ask his family how he is. See what they have to say about it. Does that mean he shouldn't win MVP? Or as he put it, most vaccinated player? That was a good line by Aaron Rodgers. I got to give him that. I don't believe so in the least. If you're an asshole, if you're a jerk, that's fine. But that doesn't mean... You shouldn't vote for that person if they truly are the most the valuable MVP player. The exactly. from Chicago. Here's why you're stupid. All right. Because on the one hand, you acknowledged 
did he hurt his team by lying about not being vaccinated, which was accurate and correct. But what you didn't realize that the one bad game he had because of the training camp scenario, which is the first game of the year, they got killed. The one game he didn't play, they would have easily won if they had a competent quarterback and their backup quarterback showed that he may be a wasted first round draft pick. Every other game he's played unbelievable. And every other game they've won except one when he played unbelievable and they lost the gun to the Vikings. Which just shows us in how incredibly valuable he is. The most valuable player race is not even a race. And I have been a huge Aaron Rodgers fan because I admire talent. Alan Ro- Aaron Rodgers has been, for the good part of his career, the most talented quarterback, the most gifted quarterback in the National Football League. He's one of the two or three most gifted quarterbacks I've ever seen. In his abilities to throw a football, the way he throws it with the accuracy, the touch, the power, the quick release, ability to move in the pocket, not to the extent of when he was younger, but he can still do it. And yes, he's only won one Super Bowl. And is a terrible record in conference championships. However, despite the fact that he is at times standoffish, despite the fact that he believes he is in fact the smartest guy in the room, I stood up for him all the time on all fronts because I believe he was the smartest guy in the room. But what he did was unconscionable. He lied. He lied to his teammates. He lied to his fans. Obviously not to his organization because they knew, but when he said he was immunized, fully immunized, first of all, he said, well, there's no such thing. You can't be fully immunized from this vaccine unless you're dead. It's the only way you can be immune from it. He was not fully immunized. He was not fully vaccinated. That was a lie. It was a misrepresentation. Maybe it was a way to the play on words was to give him an out by saying he's fully immunized. That was his thought when he actually wasn't. But the point is, he wasn't truthful. He wasn't truthful in the midst of a worldwide, nationwide, league-wide pandemic. And as a result, it cost his team a game. And he lost my support. Not as MVP, but as not thinking he was a douchebag. And after that, I now truly believe that even though I agree 100% with what he said about Hub from Chicago, I believe he's a bum also. You got an MVP vote. You can't base your vote about what something buddy did before the season or whether you think he's a bad guy. He did one bad thing to hurt his team. He didn't play in a game because he got himself suspended by lying about his vaccine status. And that was awful. But it just accentuated how valuable he is. And he'd missed five games. Missed one. And they still have the best record in the National Football League. And they're going to be the one seed. And he has been nothing short of amazing all year long and only shown how much more he value, how valuable he is in that when he had his one poor game to start the season, they got killed. And when he didn't play in the one game he missed, their offense was hideous. Even though they played great defensively, they lost because they couldn't move the football at all because he wasn't there. So the MVP race contrary to what others may write, say, or mislead you to believe, is not a race. I take it back. It's a race for second place. Right. Because the National Football League most valuable player, it's 
Aaron Rodgers, and then you have a list of everybody else. It's not Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady anymore. It's not Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. It's not Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Jonathan Taylor. It's not Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Micah Parsons, okay? Uh, or, or, or the guy who I think should be second. It's not Aaron Rodgers, all right, and Mighty Joe Burrow. It's Aaron Rodgers and then everybody else. And it's not even close. It's not. You're not exactly right. even close. He is a bigger MVP this year than he was last year. Yeah. This should be, and it shouldn't be because, oh, well, we're going to vote for him because Hub from Chicago says we shouldn't vote for him. He should be a runaway landslide MVP winner because he is the landslide hands-down MVP of the National Football League. And he is a douchebag. But he's still the MVP. Yeah. Is he the first douchebag to win the MVP award? No. Is he the first asshole that's going to be in the Hall of Fame? No. If he comes on our show, are we going to spend an hour throwing up lollipop vaccination questions and asking absolutely zero follow-ups to his answers and just letting him rant and rave for an hour? No. We're going to talk football. The Packers trying to win the Super Bowl. I'll ask him, hey, how are you going to score more than three touchdowns in the NFC Championship game to quote you to Hub, you bum? Why don't you score more than three touchdowns and maybe get back to a fucking Super Bowl, Aaron? That's what we talk about. He's my MVP. There's no question about it. We're not talking about vaccination statuses on the show. Those two things can happen. It's okay. Hub, by the way, apologize. I'm not going to read his apology because it was one of those, oh, the internet came after me, so let me pretend I have remorse. Exactly. It, It was fake. Exactly. As fake as the His bosses said to him, you better apologize. Exactly. We're getting backlash. We're getting Fix crushed. It. Fix it. All right? We're getting destroyed. You made us to be you made us out to be fools here at the station. What where's the show? What, what you know, whatever in Chicago? So that happened. And as you said, it's a runaway favorite for the MVP. Now we have the teams that are already clinched for the playoffs. We'll get more into that once the season's over and who's gonna win, etc. Let me just run down who's already in. Titans, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, and Patriots in that order, which means two spots are still available. Packers, Rams, Bucks, Cowboys, Cardinals, and Eagles, which means one spot is still available. To close the show, I will ask you then, heading into the final week of the season, who you got to get in in those final remaining three spots? We don't have to worry about who's going to move up and down the rankings because that'll still be the case for a couple teams, but Worried about now, who gets in? The quote, in the hunt, and the quote, on the bubble teams. Which three make it? If if the Colts don't get in because they go to Jacksonville and lose, I mean, what can you say about Carson Wentz? Unless he throws for 450 yards, and all of a sudden the defense can't stop a strong How about that scenario, though, if they lose, that the Chargers and the Raiders could purposefully play for a tie? And both both get in the postseason. They can kneel the ball for the entire game. Just run down the play clock, and they would both get a little gentleman's agreement. And that that game is, folks, the Sunday night game, so it is possible. But you know, I'm holding out hope for obviously, you know, the the, the five team parlay to come to fruition. Is it five teams? Uh, You know, the the, the Ravens somehow beat the Steelers uh, and say bye bye Big Ben once and for all to increase their three percent chance of getting one of the final spots. The Jags somehow miraculously, all right, uh, find a way to beat the Colts 
in Jacksonville. And let's see. The Raiders would have to beat, I believe, I think the Raiders would have to beat the Chargers. And that would get the Ravens in, I think. Is it Ravens beat the Chargers? Raiders beat the Chargers or Chargers beat the Raiders? I think the Raiders actually have, I think the Raiders have to beat the Chargers. And if that wound up happening, the Ravens would find a way to get in because they would win the tiebreaker. Yeah, I think that's uh, the right math. Over, over the Colts. Seems easy. Obviously, the chances of that happening are apparently 3%, which sounds about right because how can the Colts possibly lose at Jacksonville? Of course, all things are possible. Of course, of course, Carson Wentz is your quarterback because he's hideous. He could lose to anybody. Uh, as I said to Nick Wright, uh, he, he could lose to Alabama. He could, if they played Alabama, uh, he could find a way to lose. But I, I think that the Colts are going to win and they're going to get in. And I think that the Chargers are going to win. There's a wild stat for the Colts playing in Jacksonville. They're 0-6, I think. or Correct. 0-5. Correct. Yes, they, they, have won won there, long time. they have not won there in a very, very. So you long got time. that going for you. It's incredibly hard to believe. I unfortunately am pulling for the Steelers because I have them to win more than eight and a half games. That tie is just staring at me and laughing in hysterics that they have at the end of their record. Should have went in the win column, and we wouldn't have had to worry about that at all. I will too go with the Colts and the Chargers finding a way to beat the now L.A. Raiders in the. NFC, it's hard not to think that the 49ers will be able to beat the Rams. It's going to be a tough game. They still need to win the division. Yeah, so, exactly. So, you know, I they mean, do have to play. You, right. you, you can't let Arizona sneak up and steal the division. So, you know, the Rams still have to, you know, a division to play for. We don't know who's playing quarterback for the Niners. If it's Jimmy G, he's got playing with a banged up thumb. Yep. And if it's the kid, it's the kid right, against, against the Rams that Ram defense. defense. So where do you go there? And the Niners have been playing really well. They lose. New Orleans wins. New Orleans is in, correct? Yeah, and they play the Falcons. Who, who stink. They stink. Let's be real about it. And New Orleans, record. quite frankly, stinks. They don't have a quarterback. I have no idea who's yeah. playing quarterback for New Orleans this weekend. Justin Herbert is the guy. He's the new cover boy. He's the new god. He's the new Adonis. But he hasn't won one big game yet. And Derek Carr is one of a bunch of a bunch of this year just to keep his team afloat. So to me, this is the most intriguing game of the final day of the season. Rams Niners number two, yep. but this one far and away number one. There we have it. And the most important thing that anyone has to know over here on the East Coast, it's going to be a big day for the state of New York. New Jersey has been reaping these benefits for a year plus now, and just rolling in the dough. Finally. After just getting advertisements thrown down our throats on TV, on the internet, FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars Sportsbook. We're coming, New York. We're coming, New York. When? We heard before give the Super me, Bowl. Just give me more Ali Berry as Cleopatra. He does a pretty good part in that commercial. So are the Mannings, the whole family. When are we getting? The Manning crew is there. We finally find Always out. hysterical. Saturday's the day, Al. Saturday is the day. I think it's four sports books kick everything off 9 a.m. I might wake up and just start betting on on fucking darts or table tennis, soccer. We never thought start we throwing would see the day. Down. We never thought we would see the day, and now it is going to be not that it already isn't, 
but an integral part of every sporting event you watch. You will have nonstop gambling site promotions. Just three years ago, four, every league, every commissioner, anti-gambling, this will be the end of it all. Absolutely not. We'll never embrace it. And now it's everywhere. We'll never have a professional franchise in Vegas. Oh. We'll never have a major league franchise in Las Vegas because the dangers are too great. The gambling dangers are too much of a risk to the integrity of the game. Sports books in stadiums, never a chance. Live betting? Gamble. Fantasy football, Al, was a thing. Remember that? Tony Romo getting in trouble for trying to just have a fantasy football league for money. Can't do it. Gamble from your seat. Gamble from your seat. You can Gamble cash on the next your score. tickets right on, when you're leaving the, the game. Completion. Bet on who wins the quarter. Bet on who wins, who kicks the longest field goal. You got it? You want it? You can bet on it. We'll have to see it. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, Next time we speak, we will have a new NCAA football champion. Our playoff scenario will be set in the National Football League and the Major League Baseball Players Union, and the owners still will not have spoken. Despite that, we'll be back to discuss it all next week on the best damn sports podcast, period. For the new report, John Tiny Lund, I am the old report. Al Renato, AKL from White Plains. Have a great sports week. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.